we all have a particular idea or image of who God is and what he's like. For some of us, he's distant. For some of us, he's a sovereign Lord who directs our lives in every detail as he wills. For some of us, he's a judge. For some of us, he's an angry judge and punisher. For some of us, he's a friend who is present through the good and bad of our lives. For some of us, he speaks directly to us and guides us. For some of us, he heals, he restores, he forgives. And even if you don't believe that he exists, that's also an idea or image of who God is and what he's like. As we start this fall on this sermon series on the Gospel of John, the premise is that we can know what God is like by looking at Jesus. It's not that there aren't other ways to know God or about him through the nature or our personal experience or the Bible. We'll be saying more about that in a little bit. But in Jesus, we find the full revelation to us people, us to mankind, of who Jesus is. Jesus is, to quote Hebrews, the exact representation of God. If you really want to know what God is like and who he is, then Jesus is the person to look at. Why is this important? Well, because many of us have images of God that don't match with the image presented by Jesus. And when our image of God doesn't match the reality of who he is, we miss a lot, just to put it mildly. As we understand more about who Jesus is, we understand more about who God is, and we're invited to become part of the drama of life that has Jesus in its center. In general, the Bible has been understood as the center of our faith. We are people who follow the Bible. As understandable as that is, we've done that particularly since the Reformation, as understandable as that is, it has, to some extent, led us astray. We have this tendency to read the Bible as an end in itself, or we read it as a law book. We exegete it like lawyers trying to figure out what it exactly says so that we can follow it exactly. We tend to find in the Bible what we want to find based on who we are, based on where we come from, and on our environment, and what that has taught us. Quoting Brian Zant now, If you want a violent, retributive God, the Bible will give that to you. If you want capital punishment, 
the Bible will give it to you. If you want to hate your enemies, the Bible will give that to you. If you want divine backup for your opinions, the Bible will give that to you. If you want to be a know-it-all and a bit self-righteous and a bit authoritative, the Bible will give you that. If you want assurance that only people like you are going to go to heaven, the Bible will also give you that. If you want peace, nonviolence, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, humility, advocacy, and love, the Bible will also give you that, but it will, only, it will do so by faithfully pointing you to Jesus. When we look to the Bible without a self-interested agenda, when we look to the Bible to meet God, to find out who he is, the Bible said to us, says to us now, look to Jesus, for he is the true word of God. I've already quoted Hebrews 1. Let me quote a little bit more of Hebrews 1 for you, and the text should appear on the screen. Long ago, this is the very first verses of Hebrews, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And at that point in history, of course, people only could access the prophets through the written word, the Hebrew Bible, what we now call in Protestant circles the Old Testament, the book. That's how God spoke to us. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And now I'm quoting Pete Enns. How God spoke long ago through the prophets is not the same as how God is speaking in these last days, which is by a son, namely Jesus. Without trying to build a wall between these two ways of speaking, the writer is nevertheless saying that God's Son is beyond the written word. The Son is, after all, the heir of all things, the one through whom God created the worlds, the reflection of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's very being, the sustainer of all things. And Pete Enns goes on to say this, I sympathize with calling the Bible the Word of God, but I wonder if we're not too quick to simply collapse the Bible with the deeper, truer, more excellent Word that is always present with us. John's Gospel begins in much the same way. There we read that the Word was present at the beginning of creation. The Word was with God, and in some mysterious way, that Word was God. All of creation exists because of this Word, and this Word is a light that shines in the darkness, an unmistakable echo of Genesis 1, where God says, In the darkness and chaos, let there be light. Let's look at these first verses of John. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pete Enns said this. This is a striking sentence. Nothing of what is said about Jesus the Word can be said of the Bible as the Word. The Bible was not with God. The Bible is not God. The Bible's not in the beginning with God. It's not that all things were made through the Bible. It's not that in the Bible was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. That's Jesus. So what Pete Enns does is, when referring to Jesus, he uses the capital letter W to start word, and when referring to the Bible, he uses the little letter to make that distinction. Here's a quote of his put up on the screen for you. The word with a little w is not the same as the word with a capital W. But that word with a little w points us to the word with a capital W whom we can experience in our spirit. Or to put it another way, the word is a thing. The word is a living being. The word is not the word but bears witness to the word. If you would like to have this quote, just shoot me a text or an email and I'll send it to you. It's true with all the quotes here. I'm happy to send to you and also the link to which I found them so that you can have the complete context. This is a pretty striking thing that he's saying. Bruxy Cavey puts it this way. I believe in the infallible, inerrant, authoritative word of God, and his name is Jesus. What I do now when I read the Bible, especially the New Testament, whenever I see the phrase, the word of God, I don't, say, I don't think to myself, that word is the Bible. I think that word is Jesus. And it doesn't always work, because sometimes the text is actually literally referring to the written word, but not very often. In fact, most times in the New Testament, the word word is a translation of the word logos, which is the word that's used in John 1 to refer to Jesus. Direct connection. Is it not possible is it not true to some extent that we in our in our culture and in our society and our church have have done something to this word idea and made it the scriptures and in some way not meaning to replaced jesus with a book and therefore our image of what god is is determined by a book 
which, as we've already said, you can make anything of. If you want to exclude other people on the basis of the book, you can do that. It is not hard. The Bible nowhere condemns slavery. There's all kinds of things you can do with the book. What we're trying to do is turn our focus from the book or turn our focus through the book to see Jesus. Brian Zahn puts it this way, and this is, quote is going to be pretty central over the next time. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We've not always known what God is like, but now we do. Because Jesus came. N.T. Wright puts it this way. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama that has him not a book, as the central character. So what I'd like to do as we go through John over the next months is approach it. There's all kinds of ways to approach the book of John. But from this perspective, what do we learn about Jesus as we watch him doing his thing that helps us understand what God is like? Because John is very clear on the fact that when we see Jesus, we are seeing God. He's more clear than any of the other Gospels. Let me show you just a few of the verses that are just crystal clear. We're just going to read through them. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. No one has seen God until... In Jesus, he was made known. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So reverse it. If you don't want to know what the Father does, look at the Son. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. And here it comes. If you knew me, you would know my father also. If you know me, you will know my father also. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know him, look at Jesus. My Father who has given them to me, he's talking about the sheep and being the good shepherd. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. There's no difference between us. You want to know what God is like. Look at Jesus. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, 
believes not in me, but in him who sent me. So when you're believing on me, when you're relating to me, when you're seeing me, it's not really me, it's through me to him. A little later, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and see him. If you had known me, you would know my father also. And then the last one. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. I experienced this way of approaching the Bible and approaching Jesus and approaching God and then trying to figure out what to do with all that. I, I experienced this as, as probably revolutionary is not too small of a word. We're turning our eyes upon Jesus and obviously we reach him partly through the word, the written word that we have, obviously. But the word is not our focus. The word is our, our lenses, our glasses. And together with the word in one hand, and with the spirit that we talked about last week, and in community with each other in our time, we ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do in the, in the absolute most serious way you can ask that question? Who is God? Who is Jesus? What would he do or say in this situation? And then we're not parsing and exegeting Bible verses to find out exactly whether or not we can do this or that, and whether if we do this, God is going to be angry with us or punish us. We're using this Bible to say, what does this teach us about Jesus? How does this bring us to Jesus? Because only at his feet can we understand God. And I, I believe that that literally changes everything. If God is distant to you, Jesus is close by because he dwells and walks among us. If God is a sovereign Lord who directs every detail of your life as he will, see Jesus as the disciple maker, walking with his disciples through this life, Guiding, helping, encouraging, teaching, leading. This isn't a puppeteer with his puppets. This is the sovereign Lord walking among us. If your God is a judge... Listen to Jesus who said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. If your God is an angry punisher, hear Jesus who says, I did not come to condemn the world. But also see him 
in righteous anger, cleansing the temple of injustice and oppression. Remember the famous line from Narnia, is he good, is he safe? He's not safe, but he's good. If your God is a friend, present through the good and bad times of life, see Jesus walking and talking with his disciples, whom he called, in John, his friends. If your God speaks to you and guides you, listen to Jesus speak to himself as the good shepherd, the door, the bread of life, the light of the world, the life-giving vine. If your God heals and restores and forgives, watch Jesus touch the sick, feed the hungry, raise the dead, comfort the fearful. And if you don't believe that God exists, Consider this word with a capital W, this logos, this reason for being, who was with God in the beginning, who was God, but who became flesh and dwelt among us. And lift your gaze up from the pages of a book to the person of Jesus Christ. We have not always known what God was like, but now we do. Amen. Let me pray for just a moment. Lord, help us to be able to turn our eyes upon Jesus, and as the hymn says, look full in his wonderful face. And help us to see him in new ways and to understand who you are and what you're like and what you do. And walk closer with you in the most terrible moments of a life and in the most joyful moments of a life and in all the moments in between not as a puppeteer, but as a man who, just like us, walked with us and showed us the way and went before us into the jaws of death and broke the chains of evil forever and for all time. We've not always known what God is like, but now we do. Thank you very much for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.